we're continuing on with our study on heaven, and I hope by the end of this that we are all have a better understanding about heaven. We look forward to heaven a little bit more because it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. This is part two. Uh, part one, a little just recap over what we went over, was that we should be looking forward to heaven. We should be looking forward to heaven. We shouldn't have to endure uh, think about, I mean, uh, again, everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody really wants to go right now. Even people on their deathbed, they're just waiting and, and praying for just a couple more minutes. And, you know, we see people who just uh, extend their life maybe, maybe far beyond what they should. And, you know, the medication that we have now uh, and available often keeps people alive a lot longer than maybe they should be. I don't know. I don't know. Not every not every instance, but uh, we've definitely seen quite a few people who have just suffered and suffered and suffered because medical professions just kept them alive, kept them alive, and uh, a, as well at the person's uh, request as well. And so uh, we shouldn't have a fear of death, and a, a few reasons in our recap about why we shouldn't, uh, why people often you know, don't want to go to heaven is because they have a misunderstanding about what heaven is all about. They think it's going to be boring. They think it's not going to be fun. They think, they think we're just going to be singer, sitting around singing songs all day, that we're going to be floating on a cloud. They think it's up in the clouds. They think it's just maybe some spiritual place. Uh, it's just going to, eternity is going to be really, really long and really, really boring. But that's just a misconception. I mean, the same God that created what we see here and all the thrills and experiences and the fun and the happiness that we enjoy is the same God that's preparing a place for us right at this moment. So there are some things to look forward to. Misconceptions are one of the reasons. Another one is I you know, don't believe we were really programmed to die. It's a natural thing now, but uh, as we went over last week, it was never God's real intention that man should uh, suffer and die. So it is kind of an unnatural thing. And then also we lack faith. We lack faith and the more we get in the word, we more, the more we discover these things, the more that we're going to gain faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so we should be looking forward to heaven. A few things that we went over as well, we talked about the first heaven, the second heaven, the third heaven, and uh, we get that description from uh, Paul talking about the third heaven, actually heaven, the second heaven would be space. The universe, the first heaven, we consider the firmament that heavens declare the glory of God. The firmament showeth his handiwork. Uh, the little just recap of that. Then some things about heaven. It's a physical place. This is not just a spiritual place. It is a physical place that we're going to go. It's obtainable. And then are we going to spend eternity in the new heaven or are we going to spend eternity on the earth? And again, I know there's many, some people probably that were not here last week and I just want to make mention of that is, I say yes and yes. We're going to be in heaven, and also God's going to make all things new, and he's going to create a new universe. He's going to create a new earth, and new Jerusalem's going to come out of heaven. We're going to dwell with God, and uh, the verse says in First Thessalonians chapter 4, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. And so from then on to eternity, we're going to be with Jesus wherever he is. That's where we're going to be, and that sounds like heaven to me. So let's pick up where we left off last week. We left off right there with the new, are we going to be in heaven? Are we going to be in the new earth? Next thing, do we remain conscious after death? Do we remain conscious after death? There's some cults out there 
who say, oh, when you die, you just, it's like you go to sleep for a while. You go to sleep for a while, and you uh, just remain unconscious until the resurrection, the resurrection of the dead. That's just not biblical. We're going to look at that a little bit here. Ecclesiastes 12, 7, back in the Old Testament, it says, then shall the dust return to the earth as it was. We know Solomon's writing this at the end of his life, and he says, and the spirit shall return unto God who gave it. So that's one example. But what about some people? What about some people? This is Lazarus. Now, this is not Lazarus as in uh, the Lazarus that Jesus raised up out of the tomb. This is the poor man, Lazarus, who begged for crumbs at the rich man's table. And it says in Luke 16, 22, and it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man died also and was buried. That's talking about Abraham's bosom. That's referring to uh, the place of paradise, which we'll talk about in just a minute on the next slide very briefly. First thing people often say, especially cults would say, if you were talking to a Jehovah's Witness, they would immediately say, oh, that's just a parable. They say, well, you can't use that as an example of people when they die, they go right into the presence of God. Because they would say, oh, that's just a parable. And, you know, Jesus told a lot of parables. But there's a difference between this story and parables. First of all, it was never called a parable. As when you look at most of the parables, they all start out and say, you know, and Jesus gave a parable. And so it's not called a parable. The second reason is he used real people's names, which was never, which was never done in any other parable before. I was just reading yesterday at one guy who made mention, and he's, you know, Jesus, he's the most intelligent, you know, uh, being that's out there, the creator of the universe, and, and he made mention, he says, if Jesus was just trying to make up a story, he says, why would he, why would he have used the name Lazarus? I mean, wouldn't that have kind of been maybe confusing to the other story of Lazarus? Like, just when I went here, I had to make, I had to recap that little story to let you know who we were talking about. I mean, I think Jesus probably wouldn't have done that. I don't, I don't know if you could uh, certainly say that, but uh, it, it's an observation. He didn't. He used real names, and then the last reason why it's not a parable is because a parable is a it is a earthly story with a heavenly meaning. There's a spiritual truth that's applied to it. And so Jesus would often use everyday uh, things. Uh, it would, you know, a fig tree. He would. I mean, uh, yeah, he would use uh, about a tree. He would use about. He would talk about. Uh, man, I can't believe I'm going blank right now. Another parable Jesus said, oh, the, the ground, the four types of soil, and so on and so forth. He would use those things because they understood those objects, but there was a spiritual truth that was hidden in there. And even after he would tell these parables, he, he often would not reveal the meaning of it right away. And the disciples, they would come up to him after and say, Jesus, what in the world do you mean by that? What do you mean by that? And so... I'm encouraged by that because when I come to the Bible and I read something that I don't understand, don't be ashamed and don't be embarrassed that you don't understand everything that's going on. That's why we ask the Lord for his wisdom. And so they would come and ask. And so the spiritual truth was given. And so in this parable here, there was no earthly relation. There was no, the spiritual truth was outright 100% given, which was not done in any other parables. And so those are, three reasons why this is not a parable. This seems to be a true story that Jesus was describing to people, Lazarus and the rich man. And I only mentioned here Lazarus, but we also know the rich man died and went to hell. 
and the torment that he endured. We may talk about that in a little bit later. The next one, the thief on the cross. Luke 23, 43, another great example to discuss when people try to come to you and say, oh, we just go dormant, we hibernate until the resurrection. That's not true. And Jesus said unto him, verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. Look at the word today, today. He didn't say at the resurrection you're going to be with me. He said today you're going to be with me in paradise. And again, I'm not going to get into the whole deal about paradise. I think I mentioned that uh, before. And it's on some other lesson I did. You can look it up at some later time. Uh, but I don't want to eat up all my the few moments I have with that. First uh, Thessalonians 4.13 uh, as well says, But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, which is the verse I was supposed to read at the beginning of this, but I didn't, uh, that ye sorrow not even as others which have no hope. So that's where they get... That's where they get that doctrine there of uh, soul sleep. But I would not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. And he's not referring to us being dormant or just unconscious. He's referring to, it looks like when somebody's dead, he's using a symbol, an analogy. It looks like they're sleeping. When we go up, we have a funeral, bodies laying there in a casket. It looks like they're asleep. And so he's just using that uh, terminology Paul, by the way, also uh, mentions this as well. Philippians uh, 1.23, for I am in a straight betwixt two, used this verse last week, having desired to depart and to be with Christ, which is far better. He was looking forward to his death so that he could be with Christ, not so he could maybe wait around and be unconscious, and here he is, he'd be in there 2,000 years later, he's still you know, unconscious waiting for it to happen. He also says in 2 Corinthians 5.8, but we are confident, I say, uh, and willing rather to be absent with the body and to be present with the Lord. From Paul's writings, we definitely get the idea that he was looking forward to being with Christ immediately after his death. And so, and even you could look back and you could go to maybe Romans chapter 12, um, seeing where our compass was, or 11, compass was so great a call out of witnesses. Uh, you could look at many other things. So how do they come up with this thing about we're not going to be conscious after death? Well, they read into that one verse and maybe one other. But you can't just take one verse by itself without taking in consideration the, the rest of the entire Bible. And a lot of cults do that. They will focus on one verse and create its own doctrine without using proper methods of interpretation. So when we read the Bible and you come to something, which we all have, and we say, that just sounds weird. That sounds maybe opposite from what I've heard the pastor saying or opposite from what I've heard, you know, uh, a Bible study or a Bible program I've been listening to. Man, that just seems weird. Well, if it, first of all, if it seems kind of weird, you got to do some research in it to find out. And in this instance, you say, well, you read that verse and you could be like the cults that come up and say, oh, asleep. That must be what they're meaning. Well, you have to take first mention, last mention, comparative mention, analyze the whole thing throughout Scripture, and when you come to it, we, you, you can't just take this one verse and create this new doctrine. Uh, they'll take and they will you know, say, oh, that's the way it is on this, and they'll take the thing about women preachers and say, oh, didn't, wasn't Paul the only one who said that? How many times have I heard that in my life? Uh, which gets just old. We got to analyze the Bible correctly and interpret it uh, from scripture to scripture. 
And so do we remain conscious after death? Absolutely, 100%. So where will we be conscious? That is the question. We will, will we be judged when we die? Will we be judged when we die? Yes and no. Yes and no. There's going to be the first judgment. That would be immediately upon death. That's just the terminology I gave it, uh, biblical terminology. Not necessarily, just for us to wrap our mind around it. First judgment is, it's the judgment of faith. The judgment of faith. What is that when you die? Well, God knows whether you've accepted the shed blood of Jesus Christ and repented of your sins and turned to him in faith. He knows that. And so you're either going to go into the presence of God or, or you're going to spend eternity, uh, or you're going to spend, I shouldn't say eternity, but you're going to spend some time in hell and immediately go there, and that would be the first judgment. And then the final judgment is going to be when we actually stand before our Creator and we give an account for our works. And we as believers are going to give an account. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether they be good, whether it be good or bad. That is a judgment of works. And this was written to believers. And he was referring, I believe, in this sense, to believers, the Bema seat or the judgment seat of Christ. It's not, this is not a determination of whether we have, uh, whether where we are going to spend eternity. That's already been determined because you've been in, in heaven or of course you'd be in you'd be in hell and so this is a matter of what we have done in this life please do not be deceived and think well I'm just saved I'm going to live my life any way I want to do not be deceived in that so many Christians I I come across and the Christians who actually say this type of thing make me think that there may not be Christians because Oh, I've got my fire insurance. I've got my ticket to heaven. Doesn't matter how I'm going to live. I don't know if that's going to fly with God. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that, that shall he also reap. That shall he also uh, reap. I'm not God. I'm thankful. I don't have to make the decision. That rests entirely on Him. I'm not going to point the finger and say somebody is, somebody's not. Uh, I believe that trees bear fruit, and if it looks like an apple tree, it's probably an apple tree. Looks like an orange tree is probably an orange tree. If it looks like an unsaved person, it's probably an unsaved person. I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, you're going to know people by their fruit. And so, it's going to matter. And ultimately, you're going to care. I mean, we care if we do well in this life. I mean, a few weeks ago, we had the, uh, the conclusion of Awana. And we have our Awana Awards night. And there were some kids that were real happy woo, because they put in all the hard work and they got the big prizes and they won it. And then there was kids that were sorry that they messed around all year long, being bad, not memorizing their verses, right, Mr. Joe? And they were upset about it and they cared. You say, well, that's silly. That's little. We care about stuff today. We care about whether or not we get the promotion. We care, we care whether or not we put in the hard work uh, to get rewarded. We're going to care when we get to the other side. You say, well, God's just going to wipe away all tears anyway. I mean, I'm telling you this by arguments that people try to say to me. You're going to care. You're going to care. And you, you and I are going to be sadly disappointed if we have to stand before Jesus Christ someday and we've got nothing to lay back at his feet. 
So we're going to care. And that's going to be the final judgment, not of our eternal destiny, but of our works. Now, the, the unsaved people, they are going to also stand before God in a judgment of works, really a judgment of things that they have done in their body. And because they have not accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, and the blood of Jesus Christ does not cover all of their sins and wash them away, they're going to have to answer for their own sins. And Revelation 20, 11, and 13, we've all read it, but just for reference, and I saw a great white throne, which is where we get the name, the great white throne judgment, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. They have a judgment of uh, works just like we do. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man, again, according to his works. So the saved and the lost are both going to experience judgment. And those that are in hell right now are going to spend eternity in separation from God. There's nothing they can do once they enter into hell to reverse that decision. The rich man, when he was tormented in hell, he cried out to Lazarus and wanted to go back to speak to his brothers so that they would never come to that place. But he was not able to. He did not find deliverance. There are some misconceptions about hell. I often talked, I talked last week when we were referring, when we were talking about heaven, and I said we often use the, the terminology, are you going to spend eternity in heaven? And then we went into that little discussion about, well, we're going to be on the new earth as well. And so, you know, where do you spend eternity? People often, even preachers, I'm, I almost said it five minutes ago. And I almost made it. I said, you're going to spend eternity in hell. Well, technically, the unsaved aren't going to spend eternity in hell. Hell is like a temporary holding place for them right now. Because they're going to spend eternity in the lake of fire. And so sometimes I see on Facebook, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm thrilled that people are, you know, putting stuff out there. You know, you need to turn from your, from your sins. Don't spend eternity in hell. Hey, I'm for it. Even if it's not technically correct, it'd be eternity in the lake of fire. But it's, but, uh, you know, there is a difference for sure. And so it's just a temporary holding place until the great white throne and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. Moving on. Where is heaven? A little different topic. Where is heaven? Where is it at? We often think about heaven being up at God's places above. When we think about hell beneath, we think beneath. But where exactly is it? And so heaven is normally invisible to those living on earth. And I would say there are a few exceptions that we're going to mention here in a minute. But it is normally invisible to those on earth. Think back to the Tower of Babel and how vain those individuals were when they were trying to build a tower to get to heaven. How crazy were they? I mean, if they could know, I mean, they obviously, I would think, I would think maybe know now. But, I mean, if they could have known what we, we know now, I mean, they would have never made it out of the atmosphere. They wouldn't have enough speed, wouldn't have enough force. They were just trying to build this big tower. And it was foolish. And I love the little illustration there about, you know, they're trying to work their way to heaven just like so many people do. And just as foolish as they were trying to, trying to 
walk their way to heaven. So many people are so foolish to think that they're going to get there on their own by doing any amount of good works. And so heaven is not uh, a place that we really see. It's invisible to those. Some scientists at Yale, Princeton, and Stanford, among others, they postulate that there are about 10 unobservable dimensions and likely an infinite number of imperceptible universes. That's from Randy Alcorn's book on heaven, uh, some research he did, and he had uh, the bibliography to prove that all that was true. And he says, well, you know, if scientists believe it, then shouldn't that give you some confidence into thinking that, you know, there's another world, maybe, you know, another heaven and the angels and everything maybe are just in another, uh, you know, dimension than we are. First of all, when I think about that, I say, well, just because scientists say something, I don't believe it. They say a lot of stuff. We don't believe it. Last week, Pastor read in the book, Have You Considered? And it was uh, combating the false teaching of evolution and just because scientists say something doesn't mean it's true. But what I'm saying is it is, you know, something that people are thinking about as well. There's uh, right now, uh, I'm not, you know, super big into, you know, these uh, movies and TV shows. You got to talk to our college and career kids about all that. But there's, you know, these uh, superhero movies that they're coming out now with all these uh, multiverses. And there's, you know, an infinite number of universes besides ours. Where do they get that kind of thinking from? I mean, when you look back and you think about like Greek mythology and all those things and you say, and often skeptics try to say, well, look at all that false religion out there. Don't you think you guys are just one of them? And they say, oh, look at, you know, uh, uh, parallel universes. Doesn't that just, you, you guys, you guys believe that? That just sounds like some little cartoons in a movie. Well, just because there's, you know, uh, false truth, false things out there doesn't mean that what we believe is false. And where are they getting all this stuff from? And so... Is it possible that heaven uh, is just in another dimension? Well, on a few occasions, heaven uh, humans have been allowed to see into heaven. We're going to look at some examples of those people here. First one is Stephen. Stephen, we know him. He was the first martyr after the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the ascension to heaven, and he was stoned. It says in Acts 7, 55 and 56, but he, being full of the Holy Ghost, look up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Now, if I was to stop there, and if all it said was and saw the glory of God, I probably wouldn't take it as far as I'm going to take it here in a minute. But it says, and he saw Jesus standing on the right hand of God. Verse 56, and said, behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Stephen before his death, got a glimpse into heaven where God the Father and Jesus are dwelling. So a couple occasions, another one where this one isn't necessarily heaven, but it is, we would say, into a, another dimension, I would say. Second, Elisha, this is 2 Kings 6, 17 and 18, it says, and he answered, fear not, for they, that be, for they that be with us are more than they that be with them. This is a story when uh, some bad folks were coming down, an army was coming down to get Elisha, and he had a little servant there, and uh, the servant was all nervous, and we're going to get killed, they're going to, you know, we're not safe here, bad things are going to happen to us, and Elisha said, fear not, those that be with us are more than they that be with them, and the and it's just Elijah and this, you know, servant standing by. And he's like, what is this crazy preacher talking about? 
what in the world? And so Elisha prays and he says, Lord, I pray thee open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened his eyes, the eyes of the young man, and he saw and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire round about Elisha. That was all taking place before they could see it. Can I explain how that's possible? I don't know. I can't explain. But it seems as if maybe angels can come back and forth between uh, different places. We have some other ones just for reference here. We have uh, Isaiah. Um, he was caught up into the presence of God. Paul the Apostle talks about you know the third heaven, and no doubt we can't help but mention uh, John, who saw unspeakable things in heaven. Let's just mention a few of these as we change topics. We've got about four minutes or so. Some details about heaven. We'll work through this one slide right here, even though it's kind of in the middle of a thought, but that's okay. And then we'll catch up with it next week as we look at part three. Some details about heaven that we, uh, that we know. Uh, this whole, the last lesson and everything I've done up to this point has been preparing us to look at some detailed questions uh, about heaven and often the questions that get asked most regularly. And so here are a few to kind of uh, set the stage for that. So Revelation 6, verses 9, 10, and 11 give us some detail um, into some insight into heaven and what goes on in heaven. So Revelation 6, 9, and when, and when he had opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Okay, what are some observations of this verse right here? When these people died, they were relocated to heaven, which is what we already mentioned about. They were not dormant. They immediately went into the presence of God. Now, these were the people who were martyred and who were slain, and we see that they went right into the presence of God. By the way, these are the same uh, people that were martyred, so they didn't get a new identity. They were the exact same person. Some have an idea that we, we get this idea that we are going to be reincarnated and turn into something in just life. Every time you die, it just unfolds into something else, something else, and without retaining anything from before. That's not the picture that we get when we look at Scripture uh, about the Bible. We'll do one more. Uh, they remembered their lives on earth. Is God going to wipe away every tear from our eyes? Is that going to cause a is that going to cause a memory wipe to take place? Pastor Bill did a lesson uh, talking about that about a, three weeks ago on Wednesday night. I think maybe four weeks ago on Wednesday night. Uh, definitely, uh, maybe reference back and look at that. I'm going to have to stop right here just because I don't want to go over time. But they remember their lives on earth. So this idea that we're going to go and we're not going to remember anything. People are always worried. Am I going to remember so and so? I think so. I mean, they were concerned. We're going to look in the next one. They were concerned that the people who who martyred them they were concerned that they weren't going to get punishment that God wasn't going to you know he they were saying when when is God going to unleash his vengeance on them so they're real concerned with things that are going on the earth a lot of good good stuff coming up in the next few verses but we're going to quit there for time's sake let's pray and then we'll move over to the other service Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to look at some of these things. Thank you for heaven. We've got so much to look forward to, uh, us as believers, especially uh, those of us who've been saved for quite some time. We often just take it for granted. 
and we just, you know, uh, uh, you know, aren't really enthused or thrilled about it because it's something we've heard a hundred times. Uh, but may you revive our spirits about it. May we uh, every day have an expectation of looking forward to heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.